You're listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord, everyone else. Great to see you all in the house of the Lord. I, I have to confess I'm a little offended. Pastor Don told you to tell everybody that they look good, and then I walked right by him, and he didn't tell me that I look good. And at my age, you need all the positive support you can get. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking, brother. Uh, your line actually was, you didn't tell me I look good either. <laughs> Great to be in the house of the Lord. We, we love you. We have deep affection for all of you. I really crave God's favor upon you. I desire God's blessing upon you, whether you these beautiful young people in the front or you are... Uh, strong, stalwart elder, uh, wherever you are in the house, I crave God's favor upon us as a as a, a, belie- a, a body of believers. I crave His His protection upon us. How many of you want God's protection upon us? I crave that for this church, and I I so much want to help and bless and encourage you here today. And I just I let me just I, I just want to do this real quick, Lord. We stand in your house right now, and you know exactly the burden that some of us carried into this house. And Lord, I'm praying that before we leave here today, that there would be a great uplifting within our spirits, and we would have a sense of spiritual renewal, we would have a hunger for you, and we would have a reassurance of your nearness in our life. And can the church say amen? My subject today is the shape of your heart the shape of, of your heart. There's a famous pop song uh, by the artist Sting uh, called That's Not the Shape of My Heart, but that's not what I'm preaching about by any regard, so don't start singing that while I'm preaching uh, unless you want me to bring a microphone over to you and have you sing a solo for us all. <laughs> Some of you would like that. You're like, oh, me, me, pick me. Uh, we are uh, looking at the unique creation of each of us at the hand of God. Before I get started into that, let me just uh, echo what Pastor Don said about first steps. It's a great opportunity for us to get to know each other. It's kind of an ask me anything format. I tell you our history. Most importantly, I think, I honestly think the most important thing that happens is our team reveals our heart to you. And if you understand our heart, even if you don't necessarily agree with every chance we take or risk we take, you will know it's coming from a good place because you'll understand our heart. So that's after the 11 o'clock service today. I am reading from Jeremiah chapter number one, verse number five. This is the message translation. Here we see this wonderful passage, before I shaped you in the womb. Somebody say shape. shape. This is God saying, before I shaped you, In the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Before you were born, before your eyes ever perceived light, I had holy plans for you. Now I want to read Psalms 139 and verse number 13. Lord, you made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. 
I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Uh, As a pastor, as an individual who has the great honor of trying to communicate uh, the scripture and communicate the ways of God, the kingdom of God, I'm always looking for uh, memory, memory tools that can help uh, each of us know what to think, how to think, and how to go forward. And so I am, I am always looking for that. And since today my goal is to have you consider the unique gifts that God has given each one of you, since my goal is to have each of you to consider the fact that you are not random. Somebody say, I'm not random. You are intentional. You are God's handiwork. You are God's design. Some of you need to wrap both arms of hope around the fact that God intended you and God created you and let God set your value rather than the negative world in which you find yourself has been doing for you. You need to believe you are God's handiwork and that you're saying, man, um, I, I'm always wanting to awaken within you a sense that God chose you, God saved you, washed you, cleansed you, and then he included you in a higher work, which is to show the kingdom of heaven in this world, to manifest the heart of God in this world. Our world is not having any problem seeing the kingdom of hell. (laughs) Why is that? Because it is a kingdom of self, Self self-service, self-preference. The challenge of heaven is to show the way God intended you to live, the values he intended you to walk by, the love he intended you to manifest one to another. This is the challenge of heaven, and God has included you to be a part of the revealing, the great revealing of transformed hearts to show forth the kingdom of God here on earth. Somebody say amen. And so I want to say this to you, and I want you to consider it. I want you to believe it. I'm going to say it once, and then I may say it again if I'm in the mood. Uh, Listen this first time, and second time I'll have you say amen uh, to make the preacher feel good about himself. All right, you ready for this? First of all, your life has purpose. Your story is important. Your dreams count. Your voice matters. And you were born to make an impact upon your world. Now, I need you to believe that because all of you are here at the church house. You're all people of faith. You are all striving in your own way to represent something about God, about his blessing, about his way, you're seeking to be in some way, not that you're or any of us are perfect, but in your way, you're seeking to incline your heart toward God and let him flow through you. And since you're doing that, it is your great honor to manifest his heart in your world. You are God's plan to make a difference in your world. 
So now I'm going to read the same thing, and this time I want you to give me a real strong amen at the end of every phrase. Are you ready for this? Your life has purpose. I need you to believe that. Your story is important. I need you to believe that. Your dreams count. Your voice matters. You were born to make an impact. Now, let's take a praise break in this house. Put your hands together. Lift your voice, God. I want to say thank you for including all of us. I want to bless you for empowering all of us. You did not leave us where you found us, but you included us in your great work. And we say thank you today. All right. So that was a fun effort. I kind of felt a little bit like a pep rally. I felt like we're reminding ourselves of calling and mission and purpose and and uh, now what? Now, if you're like me, you've been to a lot of pep rally type services and uh, you ask yourself what comes after the pep rally. And for most of us, it's time to go eat. So <laughs> you're probably thinking, all right, that was the pep rally. Now it's time to go eat. Well, no, I, I, I have a little bit of wisdom for you. And that is this. It's not enough to uh, rally around the truth. It's not enough to celebrate a truth. We have to embody a truth. We have to incorporate that truth. So after the pep rally, what next? Well, here's what's next. You need to commit yourself to finding your way toward manifesting the heart of God to your world. Your way will not be my way. It is your way, but it is just as important and just as anointed as my way. I need you to believe that. It is a shame for ministry to end at the edge of the platform. It is a shame. It is a misunderstanding of New Testament theology and ministry for the work of the ministry to end at the platform. The work of the ministry really is an equipping ministry so that ministry is now the purpose of the believer, not the special talent or ability of a preacher or a bishop. It is the work of the believer because you are God's plan to manifest his heart, his grace, his mercy in your world. So you have to commit yourself to finding your way to do that. You have to find your way you have to find your style. You have to find your plan. You have to understand and embrace your gifts. Everybody will have a slightly different way to do it. You need to commit yourself to doing it. You don't need to be intimidated because I do it differently. I was listening to one of my mentors preach on the way to church this morning, and I wasn't listening because I needed a message, although some Sunday mornings I do need a message. Um, I knew what I was going to preach today, but... I just wanted to hear him preach as I drove to church, and I'm listening to him preach, and I, I'm, I'm just a little bit envious. I know preachers aren't supposed to admit that, but he's such an amazing communicator, and it, it's not even about being a, a rhetorical good preacher. That, in many ways, can be a type of vanity. I mean, he's really taken God's Word and communicating it where it's hitting home in the hearts of his listeners, and while I'm listening, I send him a text, and I just say, I want you to know I'm so thankful for your influence in my life, and I'm listening to you preach right now. I just sent him that text, but let me tell you a true confession. Everybody loves true confession. I can't do what he does. I can't. Now, I can use that as a reason not to do anything, or I can commit myself to finding what I can do. 
His gifts are different than my gifts. I can't try to be him. I have to find what I can do for God. And so it is for all of you. If we use another person's anointing as a reason why we aren't trying, we have missed the point of having powerful men and women of faith in our midst. Our church has great talent in various areas, whether it is uh, different ministries, whether it is uh, first kids ministry or bold youth, or whether or not it is our small groups that are that are strong and in, in coming out of COVID when. COVID seemed to deal such a death blow to getting together with others. Uh, we still have, and you've seen them on social media recently, groups doing things, celebrating. It's easy to look at somebody doing that and say, oh, they're such a great teacher. They're such a great uh, leader. Uh, I know why they're doing it. And use their talent as a reason why I'm not even going to try. Dearly beloved, these things ought not to be. You will have a different set of abilities than I have. I will have a different set than you have, but I must be committed to taking my gifts and doing something for God with them, and can I have agreement? So before I get into the little memory tool uh, that I found to help us with this, I want to tell you a joke. I, I married a girl from Louisiana, and when I did, I was introduced to Boudreaux jokes. Boudreaux is a comical character from Cajun culture uh, in Louisiana, and there's a Boudreaux joke about Boudreaux getting beat up in a bar, and uh, according to the humor and the joke, Boudreaux often slips off down to the bar, and he has a little bit of a sipping problem, you know, like some people, um, you know, he loves Jesus, but he, he, likes his, he likes his drink too, you know, and he's down at the bar drinking a little bit, and uh, there's a great big guy comes in, and uh, he begins, as he gets drunker and drunker, this big guy begins to announce that he is an expert martial artist, and he has trained in every hand-to-hand -hand combat art there is. And to prove his point, he walks up to Boudreaux, and he chops him right in the neck and turns to the bar and says, that, friends, is a karate chop from China, and, or a kung fu chop, I should say, from China, and Boudreaux's in the floor now, and he staggers back up and gets back on the bar, and the guy turns around and says, this is a karate punch from uh, Japan, and he punches him, and Boudreaux falls off the bar stool and climbs back up, and the man says, this is a taekwondo kick from Korea, and he kicks Boudreaux, and Boudreaux goes flying and uh, pulls up off the ground, and finally the, the, the guy says, this is a choke from judo, and he grabs Boudreaux, and he chokes him until he collapses on the floor, and the bar, everybody in the bar just sits there, and they clap their hands, and they're impressed with this guy, and after a minute, Boudreaux staggers out of the bar, goes to his pickup, comes back in with a two-by-four, hits the guy over at the head with it. The guy falls to the ground, knocked out. Boudreaux holds up the two-by-four and says, this is a two-by-four from Home Depot. Um, you may not feel in ministry like you can do kung fu or taekwondo or judo or some wrestling, boxing slash special Pastor Nate ninja ability, which all of you young people and all the little people in the church know Pastor Nate has really impressive ninja ability. Don't doubt it. That's all I got to say. Humility must come. Anyway, uh, whatever, whatever you do, oftentimes you'll find somebody who can do something you can't. 
And you won't, you know how you do, you won't compare yourself to the person who isn't as good as you. You'll find somebody who can do something better than you. You'll find the one person who is better than you at something, and then you will cast away your confidence and not become who God intended you to be. I want to remind you of what we read. God shaped you in the womb. He knew all about you before he ever made you. Before you saw the light of day, God said he had holy plans for you. Somebody needs to believe that in this house here today. I said somebody needs to believe that and claim that in their spirit here today. So this memory trick I told you about, I came across it through one of the books of Rick Warren, who is a great communicator himself. Uh, And he wrote, uh, he came up with a I think it's called a memnotic. I'm not exactly sure what that's called, or an acrostic, I think is what it's called. When you have a letter of a word, and each letter is a memory clue, I think think that's called an acrostic. Um, If it isn't, just let that be a Pastor Nate-ism, and we'll just roll with that. The first, the letter is shape, and he, he, he uses this shape as a way to cue you on seeing the uniqueness of your God-given talents, the shape that God has made you. The S in shape stands for your unique spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 7 and 7. Each one of us has his own gift from God. One has this gift and another that. This is the NIV translation, 1 Corinthians 7 and 7. I need you to believe that your unique creation is God-given. It's not random. It's not accidental. And God would like to use it for his kingdom. Secondly, the H stands for your heart. You have a unique set of uh, sympathies. You have a unique potential for empathy. And when you find a ministry that moves you, you will be empowered for the kingdom of God in a way that nothing else will empower you. I want to challenge you and say, uh, there's a possibility you've tried different things, but it didn't move your heart. And one thing you'll learn, you'll discover when you do that, is if it doesn't move your heart, you'll have a hard time sticking with it. Can I get a witness from this side of the church because I'm preaching to this one? Y'all need to know whenever I'm preaching to this one, y'all say amen really loud like y'all more holy than them. You see what I'm saying? And when I'm preaching this one, y'all like really agree. Just point your finger over there. Yes, that's right. And point, they they need it. Yes. Now that I've got you trained up, I want you to see, I want you to understand that when you are moved in your spirit, ministry gets a vitality and a passion that will keep you going back again and again and again. If you have never found a ministry that touched your heart, that's why you're a ministry hopper. You're always trying something else. So it is with churches. If you never connect with the church in a way where you let your heart be moved by the needs that the church is reaching for and striving for, you'll struggle to feel connected to that. So let me ask you this question. How is your heart? What moves you? What moves your spirit? That is where oftentimes there is a joy in ministry. Proverbs 4 and 23. Guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. That word life is a very broad term in the scripture. And it refers more to more than just biological life. It refers to your sense 
of experience and passion and joy, becoming and mission and calling. That's why Jesus could say that in him was, or John could say in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. There is life in him. So the A in shape, remember the S is spiritual gifts. The H is heart, what moves you. Where's your passion and compassion? And A is abilities, Romans 12 and 6, Living Bible. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. You need to accept it. You need to own it. There's things you can do. You need to give those things to the kingdom of God. The P in shape is personality. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 6. God works through different people in different ways. And I want you to see that your personality is very, very unique to you. It is very, very unique to you. You cannot run from it. You cannot use it as an excuse not to do ministry. You have, in some way, to let your personality be settled enough imbued with enough confidence that you use it for the glory and the kingdom of God. Can the church say amen? Amen. So many times I have seen people use their personality as a reason not to do something. They say, oh, I have a quiet personality. Do you think the only people that God is reaching for is people with loud personalities? Do you think that somebody with a quiet personality is going to be reached by somebody with a loud personality? Do you like hanging out with people with loud personalities? All you quiet personality people are like, "Uh, not so much. Chances are you probably married somebody with a loud personality, (laughs) and you have no room for any more loudness in your life. (laughs) The uniqueness of your creation is not an accident while you were still in the womb. God had holy plans for you. And if you don't embrace that, if you don't accept that, You will not fulfill your divine intended potential. Amen. And so the S is spiritual gifts. The H is heart. The A is ability. The P is personality. And the E is experiences. Romans 8 and 28, all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God. I want you to think about that. That is a heavy thing to carry. It is a powerful realization to have all that happens to us works for our good if we love God. When we go through loss and trouble and pain and suffering, it is easy for us in some way Uh, to think of ourselves as survivors because, honestly, in the moment of of our overcoming, survival is, in many ways, the best we can do. We're just making it one more day. How many of you have lived through that? You're a living witness of that. I want you to know, however, it's not the will of God that you simply remain at the level of survival. A day is going to come where you're going to be spiritually elevated and you are now going to transcend what you once survived. People of God go through tragedy. People of faith go through loss. We do oftentimes face sickness. And when God brings us through it, it's not simply survival, but it is ultimately a testimony to his goodness and his love in our life. Romans 8 and 28, this is a living Bible. 
all that happens to us, I read, is working for our good if we love God and let the church say amen. So with that in mind, if we accept our uniqueness, if we accept the reality of how things happen to us, we were formed with a certain ability, uh, we have certain gifts and talents, what is our challenge as believers is to take that uniqueness and give it back to God with the belief that he intended it, that you are not an accident. You see, if the enemy can get you convinced that you're an accident or you're random, you'll hide whatever gifts you have. You'll hide whatever talents you have. You'll just let them serve you in some way, and you will hide them. If you believe they're random or if you believe that they are some way uh, just, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, if you find a way to, to devalue them, you, you somehow it, it, talk yourself into thinking they're not God's intention for you. Uh, the result of that will be taking talents and burying it. This is not going to please God in our life. It takes much more faith to say, I don't know why God made me an introvert, but I'm determined to do whatever I can as an introvert for his kingdom. half-hearted from this side of the church. That means I'm going to preach to you a little bit more. All right, so I don't know why God made me shy. I, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard someone say, I'm shy, that's why I don't do anything. If I, I'm telling you, I don't know why God made me shy, but he must have done it on purpose, and the result of that is I'm going to find a way to take my shy self and do something for the Lord. This is something I've learned about shy people. Are you ready for this? When they finally do find a way to witness, they're oftentimes more effective than people who just are loud. Now, their style is different. Let's be honest. Their style is very different. They're not the person who comes into the, the, the you know, the, how shall we say, the common area at work. How many of you have known someone who comes into the common area at work and they're like, Hallelujah, praise God. It's going to be a beautiful day, and we're here in the house of what well, we're at work, but God is here. Hallelujah, bless you, my brother. Talking to someone, they ain't been to church in 47 years, you know. They are like a force of nature. I want you to know, not only am I jealous, but I hate you a little bit because I wish I could do that. I wish that I could just be that force of nature where you walk in. If I go, I, my dad's probably watching this, so... My dad embarrasses me all the time. We'll go out to eat, and he'll be at the table, and uh, he'll say to the waiter, we just came from a powerful move of God, and thy son was preaching, and you should come out and hear him preach. There's not a better preacher in Charlotte. And I'm like, I'll have a sweet iced tea. Some of you guys, it's such a gift, and if you do it with joy, it, you are like a ray of sunshine. Don't do it with judgment. That doesn't work. Loud and judgy does not work. Trust me. That, that's, that, just take a hint. Okay. Loud and judgy doesn't work. But if you do loud with joy, if you do it with blessing, if you do it with kindness, you are a force of nature, and I'm a little bit mad about it because that's not me. But the trick is to accept that the rest of us were intentionally formed, 
And if we lay down our excuses and stop allowing that to stop us and say, whatever I need to figure out, I'm going to figure out because I'm going to find a way to be a blessing to somebody. I promise you, all of heaven is waiting on you to take a chance. All of heaven is waiting on you to take a chance. Put yourself out there. I said, put yourself out there. Take a chance for the kingdom of God. You were formed intentionally. Now, if we accept that we have a God-given spiritual shape, as it were, spiritual gifts, uh, what was the H? Remember the H? Heart. Heart. What moves you? What was the A? Abilities. What can you do? What was the P? Personality. What was the E? Experiences. There is a unique set that you have that ministers to people. Most of you know that I am a I'm a cancer survivor. Now, full disclosure, I hated going through chemotherapy. It was not fun, and I, I, I don't want to ever do it again. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is if you have to do it, nobody asks you if you want to. You just have to do it. And so uh, I hated it. But one thing I discovered is that because of that experience, I oftentimes have people that I have very little connection with reach out to me and want to talk to me because they know what I have, I have gone, gone through. Uh, I, want, I want you to see that God will take uh, the tragedy, the tragedy in your life and find a way to uh, use it in some way uh, that is beautiful. God's going to reunite you with everyone you have lost. So don't think tragedy's the end of the story. As a believer, tragedy is just a pause for testimony. And you're going to be reunited for all eternity with the ones you love. We've had, we've had tr tremendous tragedy uh, in our church. I, I'll never forget Shay. Forgive me for picking on you. I remember when Shay first started, be became a part of the worship life of our church. Her son uh, tragically died very shortly after that. And I, I went to her funeral or the funeral of her son. And I thought to myself, you know, she's, she's, a, she's just kind of, as it were, joining the church and just uh, really making that connection with us. And how is the enemy going to attack her? But I saw her turn it into testimony. I saw her do that. We've had a year of tragedy here at our church. We, 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 we had um, uh, another young man who incidentally um, uh, was named Shay. It's not this Shay. It's another young man. That, or uh, She's not a young man. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she's a mother. Uh, uh, a young man named Shay tragically taken from us this year. I preached his funeral and I, 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 I asked God what to say. Uh, we lost uh, Benet here recently. I, in fact, I think May, uh, Michael may be here somewhere today. I don't know if you're here or not, Michael, but we love you and we pray for you every day. And can the church say amen? <laughs> we lost, we, we, we lost Benet. We've known a lot, a lot of tragedy, but this is what I want to remind you of today. This is what I want to remind you. Tragedy can often be the pause of testimony where God takes the reality of loss and turns it into an overcoming testimony because he knows we're going to be rejoined together for all of eternity. But in the here and now, he's going to do something good with the pain. In the here and now, he's going to bring something good out of it. I don't know how he does it, but I've watched him do it over and over and over and over again. So we all have a unique shape about us, a spiritual shape of our heart. And what then do we do if we accept that? Uh, we need to make some commitments. Uh, we need to uh, commit to uh, explore and discover the unique 
spiritual shape of our life. We commit to explore and discover the unique spiritual shape of my life. So think about, think about what you've gone through. Think about your loss. Think about your uh, overcoming. Uh, remember Romans 12, verse number 3. Uh, this is the Phillips Bible. You have experienced many things. Were all those things wasted? Actually, that's ICB. You have experienced many things. Were all those things wasted? Ask yourself that question. What have you experienced? Don't let those things be wasted. It is part of your unique spiritual shape. No, they weren't all good. Many of them were tragic, and some of them were the result of bad decisions we ourselves made. But God's not in the business of holding us by our own righteousness. He's in the business of covering us with his righteousness. Think about Romans chapter number 9, uh, verse uh, number Verse number, um, excuse me, I'm, I'm getting uh, different places. Let me read Galatians uh, chapter number 6, verse number 4. Everyone should examine his own conduct. Then he will be able to take the measure of his own worth with no need to compare himself to others. You should look to yourself and think about the unique things you have discovered and stop, or you have experienced and stop comparing yourself to people in the church who do other things, have other abilities, and other experiences. Explore, examine, discover the uniqueness of your testimony. And at the same time, be honest with yourself. Romans 12, verse number 3. This is the Phillips translation. Try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Now, <laughs> That's rather hard, isn't it? Because I personally think I'm a great singer. I just can't get anyone to agree with me. So evidently, I might be a little bit crazy. Y'all pray for me in that regard. Try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Don't be so uh, attached to one thing that if others don't agree with you, you give up on God and leave the fellowship of other believers. You may not always know what you're best at. In fact, oftentimes God's development of you will be to lead you in paths where you aren't good so you learn to trust in him. I think people who have success after success oftentimes have a poverty of character because they have not known the futility of giving it their best and having it all fall to pieces around, around them. Uh, if you serve God very long or if you spend time in Scripture, you'll see God often places people outside their comfort zone as a way of convincing them that they need the power of God to do anything for the kingdom of God. So we want to examine what we've gone through, examine our experiences, and then we want to experiment with different tasks. This is all part of discovering your ministry shape. Uh, if you've tried something in the church and you, uh, it didn't feel like it fit, don't quit trying things. Uh, if you tried a certain group of brothers and sisters to do a mission and it didn't work, don't quit seeking. You've got to explore the shape of God's intention 
in you. You've got to be committed to it. If you've tried being a greeter, uh, think about maybe being an usher. If you've been an usher, think about maybe being on a ministry team. If you've been on a ministry team, think about maybe committing yourself to a a group of of like-minded people gathering for a reason finding an excuse to get together and then together with them showing God's favor and blessing and love to them. Experiment, try. Why would you do it? Because you're committed to finding the unique spiritual shape of your heart and giving it back to God. So number one, we're going to commit to discover, to explore, to find it. That's the first thing. How many of you with the help of the Lord, will commit to discover what you can do for the kingdom of God. Would you, would you make that commitment with me? The second thing we're going to do is we're going to accept our spiritual shape. First, we committed to discover it, to explore it, to try, to learn. Now, we are going to accept it. Uh, we often aren't given the ability that we wanted most. If we had been given that, it would not have been a blessing. It would have been a trial. Because we wanted it too much. It's silent in the church, but that's some fine preaching, so you should take your time, Pastor. Just break it down, make it plain. Well, thank you very much. I believe I will. Uh, You have to accept your shape. If you had been given everything you wanted, you might have be rich in talent and poor in character. Uh, Romans 9, chapter number 20. What right, this is a living Bible, what right do you have as a human being to cross-examine God? The pot has no right to say to the potter, why did you make me this shape? A potter can do whatever he likes with the clay. Mm. How about them apples? Um, We have to accept what we can do. What are your gifts? What are your talents? What's your passion? You have to accept it even if it's not your first choice. I often have felt out slightly out of place in everything I ever have done until I stepped into a lead pastor of this church. It was the first, and this is just me being honest, not trying for sympathy. I just want to try, I think oftentimes being honest will actually help you understand how ministry can feel. Every single thing I ever done uh, in ministry, I felt out of place. I wrestled with it. I struggled with it. Everything I did, whether it was evangelism teams with Bible school, I did my best. I never felt very good at it. I lived nearly 10 years as an evangelist. I, I felt very out of place the whole time. I am terrible at promoting myself. Uh, I, I just, I hate it. I, I cringe from it. Um, I've learned how to do some of it because I understand some of the realities that are involved and uh, some of the needs, particularly ministry uh, involved that are necessary. But I want you to know I fell out of place until I stepped into the role of a, a lead pastor. And for the first time, I felt like everything that had happened in my life, all of the out of placedness, Nathanism, I felt like it had all brought me to a moment where I f- was in the role that God has, God has placed me. I had to accept when I was out of place just as much as I had to accept when I was in place. And can the church say amen? I cannot argue with God whether to my abilities or whether to my place. I oftentimes, I felt like I would be better in some place that God did not allow me to go. 
I felt that God would send me to a certain place. I was sure I could do the best there. God did not send me, send me there. I thought a church was according to his perfect will and place, and I, I just knew it was going to open up, but God did not send me there. Uh, he sent me somewhere else, and I now look back and see the hand of God and the incredible life-changing honor, but this is what I want you to see. Just because you have felt out of place with what you have tried, just because what you reached for was not easy or natural, and you are still seeking, you are still accepting you are still searching. I want you to know God will work his sovereign will in your life. Explore it. Commit yourself to discover it. And when you do, accept it. Accept it. 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 17, NIV. Each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. Use what God has given you to manifest the kingdom. I'm almost done, musicians. You can come. Number three, learn to enjoy your uniqueness. Now, this can be hard because oftentimes we are predisposed to appreciate other people's abilities and to low rate our own. We are all of us experts at talking away our confidence by downgrading our abilities. Uh, I occasionally will... Uh, we'll talk to people who are striving to learn to do better at something, and then I'll actually watch something. So uh, let, me, well, let me tell you a story. Valeria, I'm picking on you today. I don't normally pick on Valeria, um, but I'm picking on Valeria today. She, she sent me an email, and I'm, I'm not, I don't even care. You can just curse me later, okay? Sent me an email saying she wanted to be a better communicator. She's trying to look better. She didn't know what to do. Tell her what to do. She's willing to work hard. She'll study. She wanted me to, be, to critique her, give her everything. And I'm like, all right, send me your latest Bible study. So she set up and recorded a Bible study teaching the kids. And I sat there the whole time thinking, my God, she's doing better than I can do. I wouldn't do that good with those kids. It's relevant. Look, she's got them. They're, they're listening to her. They're, they're, they're paying attention. She's doing better than me. I wanted to say, girl, I, you should tell me how to talk to you. But I couldn't do that because I'm old and she's young. And old people can't admit young people are better at them than anything. Any of you guys. I can't, you can't admit they're better. I'm not admitting you're better. Psh, whatever. No, I sent her back. I said, it looks to me like you're doing a great job. I mean, there's always little things that you can work on here and there, but you're doing a great job. We are so good at low-rating ourselves and exalting somebody else. But I'm telling you, if you cast away your confidence, you won't work for God. Learn to enjoy what God has given you. It won't be the way I do it. It won't be the way your neighbor does it. It won't be the way your mentor does it. It will be unique to you. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 19 and 20. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, this is a gift from God. People who do this rarely look with sorrow on the past, for God has given them reasons for joy. Or how about Philippians 2, verse number 13? It is God who is at work within you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Amplified Bible. I want you to believe that God intended you 
and God formed you and God fashioned you. Your job is to take these gifts and find a way to manifest the kingdom of heaven in your world. Amen. Lastly, number four, commit yourself to develop your unique abilities. Commit yourself to overcome your reticence. Overcome your fear. Choose courage. Courage is not something you feel. It's something you choose. I want to say that again. What you feel is fear. What you choose is courage. Courage is not something you feel. And if you think it is, you really have not had enough danger or been exposed to courageous people enough. Courage is something you choose. I'm going to ask every one of you, particularly you strong believers, those of you who have been serving God for a while, you know what would be a courageous next step for you. You know. Now, you can sit out there and hide and act like I can't see you because I don't have my glasses on. And you and I know both. I can only see the general shape of you. That's why I'm preaching on the shape of your heart. But I want you to see, and I want you to know, you probably know, and if you'll pray a little bit, you will know what the next courageous step is for you. Now, let me tell you something that is profoundly true about our team here at First Church. We are committed to empowering you to take that next courageous step. When we talk, when we plan, when we organize, our goal is not simply to lecture you, but to resource you. That's one of the reasons why I'm preaching the way I'm preaching. That's one of the reasons why I make my notes available to you. I know a lot of churches don't do it. I know a lot of preachers don't do it because they don't want you to know that the people they stole their notes from. Uh, But I do it and figure you'll just think bad of me somewhere else. So my goal is not simply to lecture you, but to resource you. That's why we put it and make it available on video. That's why we put it on a podcast. It must be more than a lecture. It must be a resource. So when you're blessed, don't just say that was good. Comment. Go on that that YouTube message and say, this came to me at a time when I needed it. Let your testimony be joined to the resource. It's not about e- it's not about ego. I'll tell you, I'm, if I if a preacher tells you he he or she doesn't have an ego, they are a liar, and the truth is not in them. You know why they have an ego? They have a self. To have self is to have ego. To behold oneself in a reflection is to have ego. That that that's all you need to know. You're dismissed. No, I'm telling you. I want to do good, but don't do it from my ego. I will already have an opinion about whether I did good or bad. I will have an opinion before the end of this day whether I did good or bad. I'm not asking for you to blow me up. I'm asking for you to treat everything the church puts out as a resource. So when you listen to something and it changes you, if it helps you get an insight, go to the podcast. Put a five-star review on the podcast. Give your testimony. Connect testimony to resource. And we're committed to it. It's not just us. You'll notice, not just me. Everything we do in some way is structured around a group within the church. It's either a small group, a fellowship group, a ministry group, or something of that nature. Everything we do is organized around that. Why? We cannot simply have a church where ministry ends at the platform. Everything we do is to resource you. Because real ministry is not here. This is equipping. Real ministry is your testimony in your world. And come, somebody say, help me, Lord Jesus. That's what we've got to do. And so this is a challenge upon all of us. I believe in your uniqueness. 
I believe in your anointing. Everything we're doing as a church is to resource you. It would be easy for us just to write a check and give it to an organization, but we'll try to find a way if we can to include our people in that, whether it's something like um, uh, uh, First Kids, whether it's something like Prosper You, whether it's small groups, uh, whether it is in any regard, a fellowship, a ministry level, we try to include because we are resourcing. We're not simply in some way displaying our talents and gifts. We're trying to display your talents and gifts. The last phase of this is what we're doing on Wednesday night starting at the end of next month. And that is where every Wednesday night is not simply a lecture. It's a resource. If you're alone, there will be notes available for you to have readings with the Bible study. You can turn it, if it's just you and your family, you can turn it into a Bible study for you and your family. It's a resource. It's not just somebody talking at you. Secondly... Uh, we are going to try eventually to find a way to turn everyone into a children's Bible study where someone in our church takes the theme and, and one of our te- team, we, we create a children's Bible study for that same theme. And if you are willing to open your ho- home and invite friends and family over, you say, I don't know if anyone will come. Let me tell you a secret. If you will cook, people will come. There ain't nothing like free food. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be food. You can cook hot dogs on a grill, and that's some fine eating. Don't act fancy. Fine eating. You cook hot dogs, invite friends, even even if you don't do it every week. I know it may not be natural to do something every week if you'll commit to do it. And we'll also be here in the house. So if you're not having friends over your house, you can come be a part of the studio sanctuary audience if you have friends over you can have your house be a lighthouse in your community it's a resource to you if it's just you you can go deeper with scriptural readings if you have kids you perhaps can tell the story to illustrate the point for the kids our church cannot be a celebration of pastor nathan's preaching and pastor nathan singing see how i did that ain't no church got unity like first church Let me say it again. This church cannot be a celebration of Pastor Nathan's ego and Pastor Nathan's ego. We miss it. We must resource you because you are the one gifted by God. You are the one with the unique ability. You are the one with the unique connection. You must take everything we do. Number four, commit yourself to develop it and use it. 1 Peter 4 and 10, God has given you special abilities. Be sure you use them to help each other, passing on to others God's blessing. 2 Timothy 1 and 6, keep using the gift God gave you. Let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. What stops us from this? I'm going to tell you. Are you ready for this? This is what stops it. Fear. Fear destroys spiritual productivity. Fear destroys spiritual productivity. Matthew 25 and 25. I was afraid, so I hid the talent you gave me in the ground. Let's let's, 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 let's say that all together. Ready? I was afraid, 
So I hid the talent you gave me in the ground. Lord, I rebuke fear in the hearts of these wonderful people. I rebuke fear in the hearts of these lovely, talented people. They, each of them are uniquely shaped to be your manifestation, your grace, your promise, your gospel in their world. They bear this precious fruit, this precious seed, and they go forth with burden and calling and mission and purpose and, yes, even tears, and they give this precious seed to the world. And, Lord, use that seed powerfully through their hand in Jesus' name. We turn away from fear. We rebuke fear. We are willing to be embarrassed for you. You're worth it. We're willing to take a chance for you. You are worth it. We're willing to have to cast about and find the best systems and plans and efforts for you because you are worth it. You have gifted us. You have ordained us. And we are yours. We commit ourselves to you. We all of us are accountable to God, church. Psalms 33, 14. From where he sits, God overlooks all of us on earth. He has shaped, back to shape, he has shaped each person. And now he watches everything we do. Psalms 33, 14, and 15. God overlooks all of us. He has shaped us all, and He looks at what we do. And so finally, Romans 6, verse number 13, offer every part of your body to God to be used in doing good. And can the church say amen? Stand with me all across the house. I feel the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pray over you all in just a moment. And I would like to invite those of you who have a need uh, to have willingness, faith, and confidence to step out of where you are. Come down to the front. Let our pastoral team join their faith with yours. Those of you who have a need of any type, I want you right now to have enough faith and confidence to ask God to intervene. And finally, all of us, let our hearts be softened toward the great work God has called us to do and be a part of. Let all of us be challenged to do a work toward that which God has called us to do. I want to pray against fear that hinders all of us. I want to pray against doubt that causes us to hesitate in this work. I want you to believe that you can do something for the kingdom of God. I want you to choose that as a divine calling in a spiritual way. I think we're going to have a baptism here in a little while. We'll see about that. Uh, we've been planning a lot of those lately. We'll just have to see how that works out. But good things can happen right now. I'll move among you and pray with some of you. But right now, let's go deeper into the presence of the Lord as a church. Lord, we are praying together that you would work among us. Lord, we're praying against fear. It is that limiter of our spiritual potential. We're praying against fear. It is that which halts us as we progress toward your work and your calling. We repent of our carnality and our vanity and all of those things that limits us in the kingdom and the work. Lord Jesus, rather let us humble ourselves and present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto you. In Jesus' name we pray and we give you praise today in this house. Amen. Would you step out of the chair you're in right now? Would you make your way down to the front? Let's believe that God would work among us here today by His mighty power among His people. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. 
you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.